Well, this morning I've entitled the message, Where is Your Joy? It's a good question to ask. You know, recently, uh, my wife and I have been going down and giving plasma regularly. So if any of you guys see the, the needle mark in my arm, it's nothing nefarious. I've just given plasma. There are people that need that, and truthfully, I'm okay with a couple extra bucks in my pocket. But something happened recently that was very strange. And about three weeks ago, I went to, to give plasma. And, and uh, in order to go to do that, they screen you beforehand, right? They want to make sure you're healthy. They want to make sure that you're not going to cause any issues for the, these patients that are depending on the plasma for, 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 for basically for their life. They need this to survive for the treatments. They don't want you to, uh, to give them plasma and then get them sick somehow. So they're always checking you every time you go in blood pressure, they check your protein in your blood, they check your weight and your, your pulse, and turns out that your pulse has to be under 100 beats per minute to be able to give. So I went in the other day and I uh, didn't think anything of it. I got up that morning. All I can think of is that uh, the only thing different I did that morning is I had some crackers, in those peanut butter crackers, you know, the super healthy stuff that you get in a box like this big. So I'm thinking that maybe the sodium spiked my, my, uh, my pulse. So it came out at 102. So they said, okay, you have to, you can wait 15 minutes and see if you can bring your pulse down. Um, but otherwise you can't give. You're, you have to come back a different day. So fortunately I was able to, I was able to, to, to really focus on that, but I only got it down to, I think it was 98 was what I could get it down to. And I thought that was really strange that my pulse was so high. But then what happened is, is I went back the next week and I walked up and I got nervous. What if it doesn't pass? What if I can't do this? And all of a sudden, wouldn't you know, my pulse is high again. So I, same thing, took a few minutes and, and, and tried to focus and was praying and, and all this stuff and I barely got it below again. The next time I go in there, I'm praying, I'm everything. I actually went in the afternoon this time and, and my pulse was a little high because I'm still all kinds of nervous, but I was okay. But the next time I go, it's high again and I can't get it down. I actually couldn't give that day. My pulse was through the roof. And then the next time I go, I'm like, well, maybe it's because I've not been exercising as much. I went, as you guys know, we went on a cruise in November and derailed my exercise and my diet. And it's just been downhill since then. So I'm thinking maybe it's because I've not been riding. I'm, my heart's getting out of shape. So I started riding again. I actually took a couple weeks off. And then I go the next time. And my pulse is great. It's like 83 or something. It's fine. But my blood pressure is 157 over 120. Yeah. My blood pressure is always fine. I don't have an issue with blood pressure. 157 over 120. Those of you who don't know, it's supposed to be 120 over 80. So the, the diastolic, the number on the bottom, is supposed to be less than 100 to give. Mine's 120. 40 points over what's supposed to be normal. So I take, once again, take 10 minutes and I'm praying and I, I get it lower and I'm able to, to give that day. But I only got it down to something like 140 over uh, uh, 89 or 98 or something like that. I just barely made it again. And I'm like, man, what is going on? And I realized, I began to see something. There's a difference between your overall health sometimes and your in-the-moment measurements. There's a difference between your overall health and your in-the-moment measurements. Because I'm, I'm getting there. There's something on the outside that's freaking me out. I'm so worried about passing these stupid tests that I work myself up. And in the moment, my blood pressure shoots to the roof. My pulse goes high. And it's crazy. 
And I'm like, man, what is, it's not that I'm unhealthy, but there's something in the moment that's causing me problems. And as I was thinking about this, preparing this message, I realized that's just like the difference between joy and happiness. Did you guys know there's a difference between joy and happiness? Now, before I start this, I want to be clear. I like happiness. I like to be happy. I'm not saying that joy is what we have to go for all the time. Who cares about happiness? Because I like to be happy. I want them both. I want my cake and to be able to eat it too. But the thing is, is happiness is different than joy because happiness is based completely on your circumstances. The stuff that you're going through right now. Right? I get a raise. Oh, I'm happy. I get an ice cream. I'm happier than the raise. Publisher Clearinghouse shows up on my front door with a check that's huge, both numerically and the size. Have you seen the size of those checks? I'd rather them save the money and just give me whatever they paid for it. But that makes me happy. But the problem with happiness is it's flirting, it's fleeting. It's, it's, some, it's there and it's gone sometimes in a moment. Because what about right after you got that raise and you're all happy a month later, you get laid off and you're not happy anymore? What about I get so many bowls of ice cream that my happiness is through the roof, but then I jump on the scale a month later and I put on 20 pounds. All of a sudden, I'm not happy anymore find out that the person that showed up with the big check, it was actually Aston Kutcher. He was just playing a prank on me. I got punked. I'm no longer happy. Because happiness is based on the circumstances, what you're walking through right now. And the reality is, is that all kidding aside, there are things that we will go through in our life that will make us unhappy. When you have a family member that you care about who is sick, that makes you unhappy. When you're sick, that makes you unhappy. You're struggling financially for any reason and that can cause moments of unhappiness in your life and certainly if you're having relationships in your life that you're struggling with, that'll make you unhappy. It's kind of like my high blood pressure. When I went in, the circumstances surrounding that, I get so worked up and so concerned in the moment my, my blood pressure shot through the roof. And I know that I'm healthy because that same day, the last time I did it was on Thursday. It was when my blood, I barely made it when I came back the second time. I had a, uh, we do a, a wellness screening for my job that, that helps us get a discount on our, our insurance. So it's funny, you don't actually have to be healthy. You just got to take the screening and they give you like 70 bucks off a, a month on your health insurance. So I go and, and I do that. And my blood pressure is 118 over 79. I've never had an issue with blood pressure. It's always been under control. And, and so I know that I am healthy, but there was a circumstance. There was something going on. An outside influence was trying to, to do something, and it was, it was actually causing a physical reaction in my body. Sometimes external influences affect your in-the-moment measurements. But your overall health actually isn't changed. And the thing is that sometimes we let stuff in our lives that would affect our happiness go one step further. Further? Further. And instead of it just infecting our in, in, affecting our in-the-moment measurement, we let it actually affect our joy. And it becomes much more 
than an in-the-moment thing. If we're not careful, our joy can be stolen by moments of unhappiness. But the truth is, is, I want you to know that your joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Yeah, that was a, oh my God, one amen. That was a huge, huge amen moment. Because that's a good thing, church. The thing is, joy is contentment and gladness, and it's the result of internal factors like your faith in Jesus. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding that the Bible promises. It's everlasting, and it's ours in Jesus. It's not something that we have to achieve. It's not something that we have to obtain. But if we take a moment and realize what Christ has done for us, what's been accomplished inside of us, that should produce joy in our lives. And we're going to go into more depth later, but that's exactly why James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. He basically said, hey, when your life sucks, you should, you should count it joy. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Because it doesn't make any kinds of sense. Because it's not because trials are, are awesome. I mean, I've never met one person that's like, man, I'm so excited, I finally got cancer. It's just, this is a, nobody's ever got happy over that. And it's certainly not brought anybody joy. But it's in spite of these circumstances, these outside influences in our life that we have joy. Not because of them, but in spite of them. Amen? So let's go ahead and get started. That was just the intro. You thought I was already started, huh? No, we're just getting started. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jews... Oh man, it's going to be one of those days. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, the Scripture says that Jesus went to the cross. It says He despised the shame, but He did it for the joy that was set before Him. See, this is an interesting thing. Because if you've done any research and study, you don't even have to watch. You just have to watch the TV show, The Passion of the Christ, and you can get a picture of what Jesus went through. Not a single thing he went through would make him happy. Matter of fact, before it happened, he was so distressed, he was so upset about what he knew he was about to go through that he was sweating blood, and he said, "God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but Your will be done." Jesus didn't want to go through this. The, the, the man part of Jesus, because He was 100% man and 100% God, the, the flesh in Jesus, the man in Jesus did not want to go through that pain. And I don't blame Him. But it says He did it for the joy that was set before Him. So the question is, what was that joy that was set before Him? And I want you to know that it was you. George, it was you. You were the joy set before Him. Jonathan, you were the joy set before Him. Everybody in this room was the joy set before him and he was willing to endure anything, to go through anything. And he certainly wasn't happy, but he had joy to do what he did. We were his joy. I don't know about you, but that's amazing to me that, I, that Jesus went to the cross for me. You guys don't know me, but he went to the cross for me. 
And he went to the cross for every single person. You were the joy set before. And this is what he said in John 17, 13. He says, but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Did you know that not only did Jesus go for the joy set before him, he did it so that his joy could be in us. If you go a little bit before that in John 17, 1 through 5, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I have with you before the world existed. You see, that's the thing. What Jesus came to do was to glorify God, glorify himself. And then he says, I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He gave up everything, went through everything, endured everything. We were his joy. And now we receive his joy and his joy becomes ours. See, that's the thing that we have to understand about joy is that it's not it is ours because it was given to us. We're going to see soon that it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. But so many of us try to dictate our joy level based on what we are going through. But the truth is, is that Jesus was glorified. He has given us eternal life. He has made us brand new. And because of that, we should have joy. Our faults and our failures have been wiped away. I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of faults. I've had plenty of failures. The reality is, is that if we take a look at the Ten Commandments, we don't even have to look at all that many commandments. And real quick, I won't measure up. This may shock you to know, but I've told a lie before. I know you guys are blowing you away right now. I've looked at women with lust. I've even used the Lord's name in vain. I've done all of these things. There's a guy who I've seen do street ministry and he would ask people these questions and he'd say, well, wait a minute. I want you to know you just told me that you're a, a lying, fornicating, blaspheming person. And that's who I was before I met Jesus. And if I were to stand before God based on my own merits and He were to judge me just on the Ten Commandments, I would fail and, and I would be sent eternally away from Him to hell. But I thank God that's not where the story ends because He sent His Son because even though I was like that, even though I was that messed up and I did all those things, I was the joy that was set before Him. And He went to the cross to wipe all of those things away. To pay the penalty for me. That brings me joy. And our joy should stem forth from that no matter what's going on in our lives. Sometimes life is bad, but you know what? You're still a child of God. Because none of that can be taken away from you. In John 16, 20-22, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. 
you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. See, this is where our joy comes from. I mean, you imagine what's happening right here. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Their world is about to be rocked. The man that they loved, the man that they trusted to be the savior of the Jews, the man who they believed was the Christ, is about to die. And when this happened, Jesus said, you know what? You're going to weep and you're going to lament. You're going to be sorrowful. But it doesn't end there because your sorrow will turn to joy. But their world was rocked. And we know this is true because one, Jesus died. But then we see Peter denies Jesus three times. This is a man that loved him and followed him. And we find out later he's uh, instrumental in writing the New Testament and starting the, the early church, but he denied Jesus. And you remember Thomas. Thomas refused to believe that Jesus had come back. He said, not unless I stick my hands into his side and see the holes in his hand will I believe. He was rocked. He was shaken to the core. They were scattered. And they were heartbroken. But Jesus said, you know what? You're going to weep and lament. But the world's going to rejoice because He was about to do something that changed everything. Romans 8.22 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. The funny thing is, is it wasn't even just people that are reeling, but ever since the fall of Adam, the whole world's been a mess. And we're seeing that even come to a head right now. We're having more natural disasters than we've ever had before because the world is groaning right now in childbirth. It's, it's waiting for Jesus to come back so that a new heaven and new earth can be made. Things are changing. And it says even the, 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 the world will rejoice. The earth is rejoicing for Him coming back as well. And I've always found it interesting that they use this idea of childbirth to describe this. It says when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. A woman's sorrow, a woman's pain goes away when that child is born. Because there's extreme pain that's felt during childbirth. I remember when my son was born. And I remember the pain, the vomiting, the distress. And Michelle had it pretty bad too. <laughs> she cheated. She had an epidural. <laughs> but the thing is, is that as soon as my son was born, it was all forgotten. When you see your son and when a woman sees her baby that's born, it all wipes away. It has to. Nobody would do it otherwise. The sorrow, the pain, the hurt turns to joy. You see, Jesus' death was necessary. 
And the pain for him and those close to him during that time, that pain was real. The hurt was real. But when he came back, they rejoiced. One, for seeing an old friend. Has anybody ever met an old friend you haven't seen in a long time and you rejoice with that? Can you imagine if it's someone you thought was dead? The rejoicing that you would have. But they also recognized that they were born again as well, that they were made brand new. brand new, And that's something to rejoice about as well because they realized that because of what he had just accomplished, they were righteous and they were free. And that kind of joy, that can't be taken away from you. No matter how bad things get, no matter how rough things are in your life, your salvation can't be stolen away. The love of God for you can't be taken away. You are still in Jesus. And neither this world or the devil can take it away from you. It's true, I think, oftentimes we give it up ourselves. And we dwell on what we shouldn't. Instead of focusing on the reality of what's been accomplished inside of us, we focus on our sorrows and the things that are going rough and we let it affect us. We essentially let the enemy steal our joy from us. I've actually often found it interesting about that phrase. We talk about the enemy stealing our joy, but he can't. He actually can't steal it from you. The problem is, is that we just give it to him. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus and what He has accomplished inside of each and every one of us, then it can't be stolen away. And I realize that sometimes it can be super hard to, to, to see or even feel joy. Sometimes you have to, to make a conscious choice and sometimes you need to understand where it actually comes from. In Galatians 5.22 it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So even though it feels impossible, when the Holy Spirit come and comes and resides inside of you, the natural outcome of that is joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When He comes to reside inside of you, a change takes place, a miracle happens, you are no longer who you used to be. And as a result of this, your life should produce characteristics that are common to all believers. Say, well, Pastor Wayne, I know a lot of Christians that don't have any of this stuff. I do too. Scripture says that we have to put on the new self. We actually, there's something that we have to do. We have to spend time in His Word. Some people are just stubborn. Some are ignorant. Some people, they'll hear this stuff, and I never heard this before. How did you find this out? Because I opened my Bible once in a while. See, there are Christians that are sometimes only Christian in name or culturally Christian. They say they're a Christian, but there's no evidence for it in their life. They're either Christians in word only, or sometimes people are actively rebelling against God and what He has done inside of them. But when we let the Holy Spirit live through us, when we let Him have His way in us, this is the outcome. So it's called the fruits of the Spirit. And there are some people that will say, well, I'm, I'm just not a patient guy. I'm just not a kind person. I'm just not a, a faithful or a good person. 
you're wrong. You may not have used to be, but if you were born again, if you said yes to Jesus, then you've been changed. I think so many Christians don't realize that. Christianity is just a set of rules or regulations, just something that we say that we do, but a miracle takes place inside of you when you are born again. The old man is removed, the old spirit is removed, and it's replaced by a brand new one. And all too often, <coughs> Christians get wrapped up in who they used to be and they let that old man come back out. But the Scripture says, put on the new self because you are brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation. New has come, the old has gone. The New Wayne paraphrased version of the Bible. The thing is, is you not being those things might be true if it was left up to you, but when God does a work inside of you, something changes. And the reality is, is that you have been made in the image of God. That image was distorted. That image was broken and shattered when Adam fell. But when you're born again, that is restored. And it doesn't mean that you look like God. What it's talking about are the characteristics of God that are inside of you. That's what these things are. Love, joy, peace, patience. And if you're still having trouble, ask for prayer. Because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people don't make me feel happy. Sometimes they make me want to walk away. Ask for prayer. Paul prayed for his people. This is what he said in Romans 15.13. He said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, the reality is, as Christians, we, if, if there wasn't the opportunity for us to, to walk away and tip some of our joy out and spill it on the ground, Paul wouldn't ask us to pray. Paul wouldn't be praying that you be filled with this stuff. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. If you're not feeling full of joy, begin to pray because God will fill you with joy and peace. But pastor, I, I prayed and nothing happened. Keep praying. I've been praying for like two days and nothing happened. Well, guess what? Noah prayed for 125, was it 125 years? 100 years? 125 years? Noah prayed for 125 years. Abraham prayed for 25 years. All right, your two days, not really a big deal in the scheme of things. But the problem is, is we give up. We become impatient and we stop praying. We stop believing God. And God never answers my prayer because you stop believing him 45 seconds into it. And I'm not chastising you guys because it happens to me all the time. But the thing is, if we pray and we put our trust in him and ask him to fill us with joy, he will give us joy. Matter of fact, that scripture says, how do we receive that joy? By in believing. Believing that He is faithful. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It's amazing how much joy and peace you will have in your life if you just decide to believe God is who He says He is and He'll do what He says He's going to do. 
And the reality is, is that I'm still amazed at how different my sister and I handled my father's death. My father or my sister has had a rough relationship with God. And when my father passed away, he was in his mid fifties. He had pancreatic cancer. And uh, it's it's kind of a pancreatic cancer they call the silent killer because they find it often very late, and there's not a whole lot that you can do once it's really bad. And and they 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 found that he had cancer in his body, so they were going to take him into surgery. They thought they could remove it, and basically what happened was they opened him up, saw how bad it was, and just just sewed him back up, and said, "There's nothing we can do." And eventually the cancer took him, and I certainly wept. I was certain. I mean, the the day at his funeral, I don't think I'd stop crying for most of the day. It certainly hurt, but the reality is, is that we don't weep the same way that that non-believers do because. I know I'm going to see him again. There's a, a real pain because he's not here right now, but I get to see him again. And I have joy knowing that. But my sister instead was angry at God. The difference and how we handled it is, is I don't Actually, I don't know how people get through this stuff without God, without the joy and the peace of God to pull you through it. But one thing that we can see that's clear is joy doesn't get produced as a result of our circumstances. Joy is produced as a result of believing in God. That He is who He says He is. And that He'll do what He says that, you'll, that He'll do. Joy is the result of internal factors that don't change as long as you remain in Him. Joseph preached, Pastor Joseph preached last week about abiding in Christ. You want joy in your life? Abide in Christ. A branch that is pulled away from the vine quickly withers. Certainly loses its joy. But if it's plugged in, then it receives life from the root, which is Jesus Christ. Nehemiah says this about joy. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For those of you who think that I'm making too much over joy and its importance, the truth is that the joy of the Lord is the source of your strength. What does it mean that the joy of the Lord is our strength? It's because joy dictates our outlook on life and it influences how you handle every decision in your life. If your heart is filled with joy, then the bad things that, have, that happen in life, they don't affect you the same way. If you lose your job, you don't lose heart. If you are told you have cancer, you don't lose heart. If you lose a loved one, you don't lose heart. The reality is, is that we all face storms in our life. Some of them are caused by a fallen world that we live in. Sometimes you have the enemy and his demonic forces actively attacking you. Sometimes you make your own mess, which as I would argue is most of what happens in people's lives. The devil is not everywhere present. He doesn't know everything. And there's not an infinite number of demons going after you. Chances are, if you've got a flat tire, probably not the devil attacking you. 
it was probably because your low air pressure light was on for six months and you didn't do anything about it. But the reality is, is that we all face storms in our life and they come from many different directions. But if we have the joy of the Lord inside of us, then we're better equipped to handle everything that comes our way. And we can remain standing instead of getting knocked over. James has a, a, a weird idea about trials and storms that we face. We talked about it briefly in the introduction, but James in 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. I remember when I first read that, I just wanted to smack James. There's no way that James knew what he was talking about. I, I was convinced. There's no way James went through a trial in his entire life if he thought he was supposed to count it all joy. Because by definition, trials aren't joyful. They don't make you happy. If that kind of stuff makes you happy, let me know later. I'll pray with you. There's something wrong. See, trials aren't joyful, but we do have a choice in how we evaluate those trials. Like I said, some trials are just part of being a human. Some trials are something coming against you. There's a supernatural element to it. We don't battle against humans, but against people, but powers and principalities. There is a spiritual world and there is spiritual warfare. That's a reality. And some things that come against you are based on that. Like I said, some of them are just based on us being dumb. And God doesn't send this stuff into our lives. God does not send hardship or sickness or He doesn't send any of this stuff into your life to make you better. It's not a test. God isn't giving somebody cancer to test their faith. But God will certainly use the circumstances in your life to help you get stronger. To help you work through it. He can use it to strengthen us. Much like working out. The whole idea of lifting weights is that, that you're actually tearing the muscles so that they'll be rebuilt even stronger. Have any of you guys been up to the, um, the Biosphere 2? You guys ever been up there? Pretty incredible place. Kind of boring to visit. <laughs> but what they're doing up there is amazing. But if you didn't know, when they first built the Biosphere 2, like everything was, it's completely self-contained. Everything works like it's supposed to. I mean, the, it's, 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 that's why they call it the Biosphere 2. It's like a little earth. It does everything on its own. But as it had been going for some time, they found something interesting happen. As the trees were growing and getting bigger, all of a sudden the branches started breaking. The trunks started breaking. The trees were falling apart and they didn't understand what was happening. Until they started to do a little research. You know what you don't get when you have a big giant glass bubble? Wind. So these trees were growing with no resistance in their life. These trees were growing with nothing pressing against them. And they could flourish and grow. And then they just got too heavy for their own weight because they never were worked out. If you don't know this, the trees that grow on the sides of cliffs or at the top are typically the strongest wood you'll ever because they're always being battered by the wind and, and, and they, they resist to that. They grow stronger. Just like when we work out, we get stronger. That's what happens with your faith. 
There's an old saying that says, faith untested is faith untrusted. Now, God didn't send these things into your life, but it is an opportunity to exercise your faith. It is an opportunity to choose joy, to count it joy. That doesn't mean be happy for what you're going through. That would just be stupid. We're not happy for the things that we're going through. We're not happy for hardships. But we can still have joy in spite of those hardships. And we can grow because we have an opportunity to actually trust God. To be steadfast. That's what it says. Your faith produces steadfastness. How many know that the stronger your faith is, the more you can endure, the more that you can come up against? And then he says that that's when you become steadfast. He says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know what makes you perfect and complete and lacking in nothing? A perfect trust in God. It's when you lay everything at His feet. But we have a choice. We can get frustrated or upset with God because things aren't going how we expected them to. Or we can keep our faith and stand in it and grow into the men and women of God that He intended us to be. I find it interesting when He talks about these trials. He says it's about testing your faith. It's not about testing your resolve or your physical abilities, your physical proudness. It's not about your physical strength or your mental health or your mental strength. It's not about your willpower. It's about your faith in the One who gave everything to you. And the full effect is turning us into people that only trust in Him. That's why we're to consider it joy. Because we're growing and becoming stronger in Him. Our faith is growing. And when our faith is strong and pointed in the right direction, we lack nothing. And we can have confidence no matter what we face. And we can have confidence that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And that nothing can... That's what causes joy when you know it can't be taken away. Nothing that happens to you on this earth. You ever wondered why there's martyrs that go out and give up everything? Willing to risk their life for everything? Because nothing can take away what Christ has done inside of them. Not even death. Romans 8.38-39 says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, church, but that's a reason to rejoice. And we'll finish here in Psalm 16, 9-11. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence... There is fullness of joy, and at your right hands are pleasure forevermore. What I find interesting here is that one is that in the presence of God, we have fullness of joy. We've been talking about this the whole time. It comes from Him. But while we should never let our happiness 
or sorrow affect our joy? The truth is our joy can affect our happiness. That's what it says. In His presence is fullness of joy and at His right hands are pleasures forevermore. You know, so many people think that to become a Christian means you have to give up everything that's fun or, or makes you happy. There's no pleasure in it. The difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian is a non-Christian finds their, their pleasure, their happiness in fleeting sin, fleeting moments that, that are here today and gone tomorrow. There's nothing lasting in them. It doesn't fulfill anything. It just has you wanting more and more. But in Christ, our joy is complete and we have pleasures forevermore. You ever have wondered how people that seem to have nothing can be so happy? It's because their happiness isn't tied up in their circumstances. There may be things that you'll impact in your life that will make you unhappy. Don't let those circumstances direct your life. Don't let those circumstances define your joy because joy is forever found in Jesus. In His presence is the fullness of joy. And the truth is, that's the only place to find real joy. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Hallelujah. We thank You, Father. I always want to give an opportunity for those who have never given their life to Jesus to do so. One of the things I talked about today was the realization in my life that if I were to stand before God and just be based on the Ten Commandments, would I be good enough to make it into heaven? Would I be good enough to stand in His presence? And the reality is, is that I wouldn't. I was already not good enough when I was really, really young. Because I've lied. I've stolen. Matter of fact, there's stuff I've done that none of you guys will ever hear about. Because it's not important. Because my conscience is clear because of what Christ has done. But they certainly placed me outside of being right with God. And if anybody were to take a, a look internally and ask, if I stood before a holy and righteous God, would I live up to His standard? The answer is no. But I thank God that that's not how He left it. Because God knew that none of us could live up to that standard, so He made it that we could come in. And He sent His Son and He gave His life up on the cross to pay the penalty that we rightfully owed for us. So that way, when I stand before God, He's not going to look at my failures, but He's going to look at the success of Jesus Christ because I have placed my faith in Him. That's simply all it takes is placing your faith and trust in a God who gave up everything for you. So I want everybody that... If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, think about that. If you stood before Him tomorrow, or even in the next couple of hours, would you measure up? 
And if the answer to both of those questions is no, you've never received him in your Lord and Savior, and you realize that you wouldn't, I want to give you the opportunity right now. If you would like to become right with God, if you would be able to like to be able to stand in front of him with a clear conscience, if you would like to be certain where you are going when you pass away, raise your hand right now so that I can pray with you, that you would receive, be able to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody in this room this morning that has not said yes to him? Going to church doesn't save you. Growing up in the church doesn't save you. And you can't be a good enough person. Is there anybody here this morning? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. <clears throat> so thankful that everybody's already said yes. Father, we just give you praise and thanks this morning. We thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that this morning was a message of encouragement, Father. Lord, that we would be able to face the dark times in our life with the realization that you are with us, that our joy is found in you. Our joy is complete in you. And Father, I thank you that you have done that for us. And Father, I pray this morning that as people have a revelation of the joy that is rightfully theirs because of Jesus Christ, that it would influence their happiness as well, that it would influence their contentment as well, O oh God. Father, I thank you and give you praise for these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hallelujah. If anybody would like prayer, I would love to pray with you. If anybody, uh, uh, just anything, you're going through anything, prayer for your finances, for health, uh, my wife and I would love to pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful evening. Be blessed. You are dismissed. And I'm, hallelujah, praise God. Mm.